If I asked you about the first book of the Bible, what would you say? I imagine you'd say it begins with Genesis, and you'd be correct. If I then asked you what it was all about, you'd probably mention Adam and Eve, the apple, the devil, etc., and you'd also be correct. At the same time, you wouldn't have mentioned anything different than any other person I'd asked that day. In this message, I'm going to tell you four things you didn't know about Genesis. And at the end, we're going to pray for blessings, grace, and the restoration of this earth back to its original intent. You guessed it, the Garden of Eden. We've all heard the very first story in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yet, do we truly know it well? Unfortunately, we become too familiar with the story and we can miss some of the key parts. So let's talk about what you need to know about the story of creation in Genesis. The first thing you need to know about creation is that God made all things by His Word. The first thing we learn in the Bible is that God's words are powerful. When he created light, he simply said, let there be light, and there was light. When he wanted to create land, he simply said, let the dry land appear, and the land was made. God only had to speak, and things were created. Why is this important for us today? What we often don't realize is that we have unlimited access to the Word of God today. And the Bible says it's a living Word. It isn't just words that were spoken long ago that no longer have any power. The words of the Bible have the same power now that God's words had in the day of creation. We should be careful not to abuse them and not to take them for granted. This is why Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, labels the Word of God as our sword. It says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God has immense power and can have immense power in our lives today if we follow it and use it to fight our battles. The second thing you need to know about creation is that mankind was created in the image of God himself. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 27, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This is important because it differentiates humanity from the rest of creation. We were made specifically to reflect the glory of God. When people look at us, they are supposed to see God himself. 
they are supposed to see attributes of God, like His compassion, His love, His grace, and His faithfulness. Due to the fall of man, sin has marred that image and has made it harder to see in us. Yet, when washed with the blood of Christ, we are redeemed back to that image, and we are meant to reflect God once more. Take a moment and think about what you reflect to others in your life. Are you reflecting God and His image? Or are you reflecting the world and its image? This is something important that we all must consider. The third thing you need to know about creation is that God made a note that man is not meant to be alone. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, our Bible says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, it says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother, and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. This not only emphasizes the importance of marital relationships, but it also emphasizes the importance of all relationships. Humans were not designed to be alone in life. In fact, the Bible echoes this concept throughout its entirety. The Christian life was always meant to be lived in communication with other people. It is not good for a man to be alone. Now, why is that? Well, think about times when you are alone and struggle with sin. There's no one there to help you make the right choice. We don't win many arguments against ourselves, and when we are alone, we tend to make worse choices because there is no one there to hold us accountable. Here's what we think. No one will know if I participate in this sin. And we go ahead and we do it. Yet, the Bible calls us to actually confess our sins to one another so that we can hold each other accountable. It also calls us to be in community so that we can bear one another's burdens and hold one another up in times of struggle. There is nothing more encouraging than going through a time of hardship with a brother or sister in Christ who encourages you and goes through it with you. Therefore, we should strive to be in community, in a local church, and to be around people who are good for our souls. It is not good for man to be alone. The fourth thing you need to know about creation is the meanings of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Often, these get misunderstood as we talk about these familiar passages. See, the fact of the matter was, Adam and Eve did not know evil. They had the privilege of only knowing good things throughout their existence. They had only known perfection in relationships, work, and time with God. 
Yet, the tree gave them knowledge of not only good, but also evil. This didn't mean that they didn't know anything at all before they ate from the fruit, but they had not experienced evil. Can you imagine what that would have felt like? We look around today and we see so much evil in the world. We can, we can hardly wrap our heads around the possibility of a world without evil. Yet, that is exactly what they experienced before they ate of the tree. The other tree mentioned is the tree of life. After the fall of man, it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 22 to 24, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, and now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword which turned every direction to guard the way to the Tree of Life. God stopping mankind from having access to the tree of life was not an act of punishment, but an act of grace. Let's think about it. If man still had access to the tree of life, man would live forever in a depraved, sinful state. Rather, God taking away our access to the tree of life is an act of grace so that we don't have to live in perpetual sin for eternity. Instead, he sent his son to redeem us from that sin, and he will grant us access to the tree of life once more in the new earth when our bodies have been glorified and released from the chains of sin. Saints of God, let us pray. God, we thank you for your blessings and your grace throughout the history of mankind. Even though we sin against you time and time again, you still choose to show your grace toward us. We thank you that you sent your Son to die on this earth so that we can have life once more. We look forward to the day when you restore this earth to its former glory and glorify us to bear your image perfectly forever. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen and amen.